everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Ben with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, we got a great one for you. We really do. Who do we have? Yes, we have two of the members from All for One with us today. They have sold 20 million plus records and have been in the music industry over 25 years. All for One remains one of the most celebrated pop and R&B acts of all time, continuing to tour throughout the world. And now the band is back on the road for this summer's highly anticipated I Love the 90s tour, which also features Sir Mix-a-Lot, Vanilla Ice, Coolio, and Color Me Bad. And we're excited to have them on. So we welcome are. to the show. Yes, welcome, guys. Well, thank, thank you very you. much. Appreciate thank it. Thank you for having us. And our buddy Joe, look, he said us. Look at what he said. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, Joe. <laughs> he's one of our, um, but he's, he also does a podcast. So it's does. really cool to have him always tuning in with us. Yes. It makes it more fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to start out the way I usually do. Um, we just went through and, and still going through this crazy COVID stuff. Oh, yes. um, how did COVID affect y'all? And what have y'all done to kind of maneuver through this crazy maze that we have? Well, it affected us pretty uh, heavily, as it did with many performers. We we were literally off from the scene uh, for like a year and a half, and it's it's weird, not funny, but that our last show before COVID hit, well, we were in China. We had just done oh, like yeah. a, a oh, eighteen yeah. show uh, on a row thing that ended in China and Beijing and Shanghai when they were like, "This virus is doing this," and we we came back, and luckily none of us got it while we were over there, but that was pretty much it. I guess that scared you a little bit. You just come bit. from there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just just a little bit. <laughs> um, as, soon as, as soon as we got back, I went straight to my doctors, and I was like, okay, listen, I've been back for two weeks. I have no symptoms, but there's some crazy stuff going on. And my oh, doctor wow. said, listen, we at this point don't even know what to test for. As long oh, as you wow. have no symptoms, you know, go home. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think the numbers were kind of screwed a little bit at the beginning because you know nobody really knew for months. So at the yeah. very beginning, I think there was millions of people that had it that just never knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not like us. We, we got sick in February, and I remember twenty twenty. I remember telling Sandy, I was like, you know, um, I don't know what we have, but this is just horrible. Yeah, and it was bad for like about three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> Oh man, that's horrible. I'm glad you guys uh, pulled through that. That's here. So, so yeah, we're guessing you're okay had, now. Yeah, because it was really early <coughs> in that time frame. And you know, speaking of COVID and what y'all said about getting maneuvering through this, mm -hmm. you know, that's like us. We launched this show January 2020, and our original plan was um, 100 interviews first year. We thought if we could do that, yes. we'd be breaking the bank, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then COVID happens, right? And I was like, ooh. This may be our silver lining. You know, for a new show, people that are normally wouldn't come on a new show might be willing to come on. And so we just reached out to everybody. Yeah. And we we're over 400 interviews in 18 months now. That's crazy. Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so when you look back on your career, you know, a lot of people would ask, when did y'all know you wanted to do music? But I like to go deeper than that. When did it click with that? Wow, this could be a career move for you. Well, I know for me, um, I started singing at a very early age. I, I started singing in church in the choir when I was three years old. And I started competing in talent shows when I was five years old. Um, I tell people all the time, ever since I could remember having dreams, my dream has been to be on stage. So uh, I've always yeah. known, um, you know, before I could walk, when I was a kid, if I was crying and, and, and just, you know, having a bad day, my sister or whoever was watching me knew to turn the stereo on, hand me the microphone, set me on the floor, and I'd be fine for hours. You didn't need a babysitter. That was that was the babysitter. So I've always known, and I, I'll, I'll say that, um, you know, I've been competing in talent shows, it seems like every weekend of my life, you know, from five wow. years old till I was 17. And then, um, and then right as I was turning 18, all for one happened. So, wow. you know, wow. I felt I felt like I was a veteran out there on the scene because I had been, you know, trying for so long to, to get a record deal and, and to be discovered. 
But then when it finally happened and I met the guys, that part of it took off quickly. Wow. Oh, wow. And yeah, same same thing um, with me. I've been singing since <laughs> such a young age. It's, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And so there's never been like a, a time when I didn't think it was possible. Um, wow. Yeah, so when I, when I came out to California uh, to try to do it after I graduated uh, college, I just hit the ground running. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna gotta find the door. Where's the door that lets me in? You know, but I've never not thought that I couldn't do it. Now, how did the group form? Tell us that story. Well, um, so at the time we were all in Southern California. Um, three of us are, you know, born and raised in Southern California. Dillis is an Air Force brat, so he kind of from everywhere. Um, I had met the other two members, Tony and Alfred, at a local talent show, and I got their phone numbers, and we all, we did some radio station jingles together a little after that. And then um, not too long after that, Tony and myself met Delius at a karaoke show. We were all broke and trying to win some money. And <laughs> um, so we met him at a karaoke show. We exchanged numbers. And not too long after that, I met a producer who actually came to my church because I used to basically, if I wasn't out doing talent shows, I was in church four days a week. And uh, he came to our, our choir rehearsal and asked for me and said, hey, I've got this acapella song. I work for a record label as, a, um, as an A&R guy. And if you can put together a group that can sing it, I can get your record deal. So I said, yeah, I'll put together a group. I know exactly who to call. So I called the guys. And uh, we went to Six Flags Magic Mountain and rehearsed all day everywhere in that park. And um, once we got that audition a couple of days later, they gave us contracts on the spot. And that was 28 years ago, wow. August of 1993. I mean, did you, I, I know that you always believed that this was going to work for both of y'all and the other four, other two. Yes. Um, did y'all believe that? this was going to be as big as it became? Um, no. And I don't think even when it was happening, I still believed it. Like, um, when I, I, one of the things that I've always said, one of my biggest regrets um, is that I never lived in the moment during yeah. the, the heyday of the time oh, because yeah. I was just too enamored with how big it had gotten that I thought it was too good to be true. I'm like, no, this is way too good to be true. You're like, it's going to end you know? anytime. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to spend any money. I didn't want to, what you call I'm like, oh, I've seen this behind the music story. Uh -uh. First song comes out, top five. I was like, okay. <laughs> After the second song, I swear, does what it does. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. Then we went a Grammy. And then the okay. next song comes out looking like that. And it goes to the top five. I was like, no. I just kept thinking, this is too good to be true. You know, mm -hmm. Space Jam yeah. and all these other hit, hit yeah. songs and big soundtracks. I'm like, no. And now I look back and I was like, dang, man, you missed you live in the moment. <laughs> so the juice in a way then, since it grew so fast, that uh, felt like you didn't deserve this. I don't know if I uh, would say yeah. I didn't deserve it. I just couldn't believe it was happening. Right. Yeah. And so fast. Comes out, I mean, when, we went on, when we won our Grammy, one of our my, um, childhood friends, she's like another mother to me, had said to me, um, she watched the award show and she's like, I looked it up. Do you know who hasn't won a Grammy yet? And you guys got your first time out. She started naming all these people. She's like, Madonna oh, wow. doesn't have a Grammy. So-and-so oh, wow. doesn't have a Grammy. I'm like, really? And I'm like, you guys have a Grammy. And these people who've been, you know, these iconic people who've been in there for a while, they don't have a Grammy. And oh, that's when it really started to hit like, wow, I think we've done something. <laughs> now, I would guess that y'all struggled probably before you um it became big because you did it all your life really and i kind of want to talk about that side of it because like, a lot of people you know they see the glory of y'all the glory of blake shelton the glory glory of miranda and all that but they don't see the grind the sacrifice the tears the struggles it takes to get to those levels so let's take a few moments just to talk about that what were some of the sacrifices and struggles you've had to make before you met before you popped and after you popped um Honestly, I think before, you know, we kind of made it, I, the sacrifices was just your childhood and your teenage years, you know? I mean, when all my friends on a Saturday night 
you know, would be out at the movies or going out, I'm like, hey, I, I got a, a talent show out in LA, you know, or out here or over there that I've got to go, you know, be at or, you know, or um, when people, when my friends want to, you know, go play basketball and all this other stuff and I'm in the house rehearsing because I knew that I, I wanted, I wanted nothing more than this. So, you know, it, it just meant putting that work in. And my, my older brother was a boxer and I remember him always having to go to the gym to prepare for a fight. But that taught me a lot about with my singing because I figured, okay, well, if he's got to go prepare, then I probably need to do the same thing because I want to win. Like, I'm not going there to play second or third. I'm going there to win. So, you know, I used to put in a lot of time just working and, and trying to be my best. So I think that, you know, it, as a kid, it's the sacrifices that you make um, in order to, you know, compete as much as you can and, and the things you give up, you know, not being able to play organized sports or some of the other things, like I said, just because of the vision and the dreams that you have and you want to accomplish. And then once we made it, I, I don't think anyone tells you or prepares you for um, just how hard it is. You know, the fact that you don't sleep, you know, that, that in the first four years when we started, so from like late 93, basically all the way to around 98, we were literally gone 300 days out of every year minimum. Wow. That we would be on the road. We would have pat, um, pages added to our passport three, four, five times per year mm -hmm. because we were traveling so much. And, you know, you miss out on a lot of your family events. You miss your mm -hmm. family, you know. And then, of course, after, you know, getting married and having children and you know, we're on the road so much. I mean, for two of my kids for their births, I was in Japan praying like, God, please let me make it before she gives birth, help me. I literally would leave on her duty date and, wow. and we'd be gone for a week and a half or two. So I'm like, listen, stay in bed, keep your legs closed, don't go yeah. nowhere till I get back, you know? Um, praying, you know, but also all, the, all those times that you miss out on, the, all, all the first steps, the first words, mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the first days of kindergarten and mm. all of those things mm. that, you know, you're around for some of them, but a lot mm. of them, you're also gone. Um, yeah. And mm. so, you know, there's always sacrifices, I think, in anything you do. But in our, our profession, because it requires us to travel so much and to be present in front of people so much, there, there are a lot of life things that you miss out on. You want to add some to that? And that, that's pretty much the uh, the same, you know, the same thing, especially for the um, after, you know, you become successful, mm -hmm. how difficult it was. But yeah, pretty much the same thing. I was always gone performing at Six Flags during my school years, getting out, out of school and going straight to the music parks to do the theme shows and then uh, just grinding, grinding, grinding. And, you know, I always want to talk about this side of it because you you know a lot of um hosts they talk about the gloriness and gloriness and sometimes i think people will jump into this industry not yeah, knowing the struggles get the work over sometimes. that it takes the sacrifice mm -hmm. it takes not so you know like even for us you know we have a show that we're trying to make we want to be the bobby bones the ty bentley's you know out there of kelly clarkson's show and all that we want to be all that we want to be a tv show one day but, you know, the grind we have to do that, you know, we've done 400 interviews and, and you know, everybody sees that we have y'all on. They're like, oh, y'all are just living it and it's fun. But they and don't see that <laughs> this is where I shine. But that. when I'm not on here, they don't see the hours and hours and hours of emails. I'm corresponding with people, the rejections of people that are um, it's like I get 200 rejections a month from people saying, no, not right now. No, not right now. No, you know, at least they're not saying, no, your show's worthless, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. but you know, it's a timing, something I've learned within this industry, it's a timing thing. And I think y'all know about timing because look at what happened. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. And I was, <laughs> as I was saying uh, before we went on, I, I have a show called Flashback Tonight on YouTube and mm -hmm. I go through the same thing when it's time to get, to get the desk, the guests and all that, you yeah. know, people look at it and they look at the, Oh, Richard Marks sing on your show, and this person came on your show, and that person. I'm like, if you only knew 
how many times <laughs> I have to email back and forth right. and people are like, no, 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 to get yeah. to those shows, the yeses. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I totally understand. I mean, I'm surprised that people say no to you. Yeah. It happens. It definitely <laughs> happens. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, a, there's a saying I love, which is, you know, everybody sees the game, but nobody sees you in the gym. You know, mm -hmm. nobody sees you when you're practicing those shots and when you're doing everything you're doing to get ready for the game. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, one of the things I tell my kids as well, you know, it's so important that no matter what it is we do in life, that we are extremely passionate about what it is we're doing because when it gets hard and everything, as we all know, in life at some point gets hard. Yep. When it gets hard, you'll stick with it if you're passionate about it. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, it, I, I can tell you guys are passionate about what you're doing. Just like, you know, we're very passionate about what we're doing. But the thing is, it does get hard. And, and there's a lot of, you know, I tell a lot of um, younger artists when I get a chance to, to talk to them that listen, you know, especially in the entertainment industry, but I think in any industry, you're going to hear the word no more than you hear your name. But you just <coughs> got to remember, it's, it's just a word. And, and, and you'll eventually get the yeses you're looking for. You just gotta be persistent and patient. And you gotta be careful who rides along too, because there's a lot of people, they wanna be with you in the glory, even though they abandoned you in the grind. Ah, yes. Exactly. I can spot those people, I'm good though. <laughs> but but I mean, it, it's tough out there, you know, it's like for, you know, one thing, I've got a friend of mine who wrote a book for about podcasting. And this kind of helps me out because I tell you, you know, you're 18 months in, you've done 400 interviews and you're growing, but you're not growing to the point to where it could make a living on it yet. And you're like, um, man, is it ever going to happen? And then you, you read that. Well, this guy I know interviewed um, a ton of people who makes a living off of podcasting. And he said the average um, age of the podcast was three years old before they could live on it. Yeah, that's the part people don't get. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, we're halfway. We're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you just got to keep pushing along. Or as they say, you know, when you see those boxers and they're in the 12th round and their arms are super heavy, you just got to keep punching. That's the only way you can win. And, and you know, all, all things that are worth having take time. And we talked a lot about the sacrifice side. Let's flip the script, go the other way. Now, let's talk about the glory side. When y'all look back on y'all's career so far, what are a few moments you're like, wow, man, oh, yes. tell That's us some stories. Standout moments? I'm, uh, let's see here. Um, one is definitely Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, we, we performed at the, I think it was at the Riverbend Festival or something in Chattanooga, Tennessee back in the 90s. And uh, we had just done the Tonight Show with Jay Leno and and we came out there to do our show and we got there and it was like, I swear it was like a hundred thousand people, boats oh, behind God. us, everywhere you can see in front of us. And we walked on stage because um, we didn't see it before we went on stage. And we're like, what's up Chattanooga? And we looked around, we're like, and we're singing our songs and in between. We're like, are we the opening act? Who's here? <laughs> you know, we kept thinking a hundred thousand, that's a trip. I've never wow. seen this many people. And we just thought, we thought Michael Jackson was there or something like that. Oh, wow. So that was definitely a highlight. And for me yeah, personally, was was singing, singing with one of my idols, um, which was Olivia Newton-John, we got to do a wow. duet. Yeah. That was a highlight for me as well. So someone has a, Caleb has a question saying, what does it take to keep a group together and continuing an amazing group like you have? I saw, you, I you had a long career. Yes. Yeah, honestly, you know, I, I think we've all been very blessed that we were all raised very similar, you know, uh, raised in military households. Um, and and our belief systems, you know, our, our, our religious beliefs, our beliefs in life are all very similar. And, and, and we're friends, you know, we were not put together by, you know, a record company, even though it, we, we put ourselves together because of an opportunity. But, you know, we, we from day one, from when we first went to Six Flags Magic Mountain to rehearse, we like being with each other. And, and we're on the road even still, even now, 28 years later, I mean, if we have a day off, you might see us, you know, hitting the mall or hitting the movie theater or just finding something fun to go do, um, just because that's who we've always been. And, um, you know, once we get a chance to just get on stage and feed off of each other, and also we love singing harmony together, 
and mm-hmm. that blend is is I think another big part of why we love being together. And you know what's funny? We can tell that y'all are together all the time because before the sh- a lot of people who are watching didn't hear this, but before we had you know launched the show live. Um, yes. Y'all made a comment at the same time together that was as random as it, it could was be. In unison. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was like, okay, you heard one sound and you're like, there yeah. goes the harmony. Because <laughs> <laughs> we catch yeah. ourselves all the time. Yeah, yeah we, we finish each other's sentences quite a bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what, you know, what's it like having a Grammy and all that? And, you know, again, y'all are at the top of the world. What were your thoughts when you got there? Were you scared you were going to, okay, now lose it? I mean, how did you hold together? Because, you know, some people, they get to the top, but then it's staying there. That's the tough part. Yeah. Um, As far as getting the Grammy, we were actually a little, I think it was actually fortunate, honestly, because so when they, they did our Grammy was one of the ones they did off camera. So we were actually at a hotel in downtown LA getting ready to go to the Grammy uh, telecast. And next thing you know, I think it was extra shows up at our door as we're getting dressed with video cameras. And they're like, hey, you guys just won the Grammy. How do you feel? And we're like, wait, what? So they got our reaction. You know, they got our reaction live. Um, But it was great because we were smiling the whole time that we were there at the Grammys because we knew we already won. Um, and I think the most nerve wracking part about the Grammy situation was we had to sing with John Michael Montgomery. Wow. And, yes. and you know, so we were doing this duet of the country and the pop version. Wow. And so I called myself like telling everybody like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. John, you're gonna sing this part and then I'm gonna come in and then you sing again and then Dillis is gonna come in and we're gonna, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to like choir direct and then as soon as like we get on stage and I look in that front row and I see like Clive, Whitney and Luther sitting mm-hmm. together and all these other people who we've just grown up idolizing and they're all staring oh, wow. at us. Wow. wow. I forgot. I forgot everything I told them. And the funny thing is like in the last chorus, you know, we had picked out, okay, John, you sing this ad lib and then me and Every time he would open his mouth to sing, it would be my voice coming out. I just sang everything. I, I, forgot, I just forgot everything we had talked about. Wow. Yeah, I've done that on some of the podcasts. It's like, I, I, you know, I usually stay on the, I used to have about the same questions almost every time, and I build a conversation around it. But there are some times I completely forget that I even have notes. Right. And, and it just, goes, and a it just goes a different direction. You just got to run with it, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's fast forward to now. I love the 90s tour. Tell us about oh, that and yes. how that came together. Well, they, we were asked to be a part of that tour. The funny thing about it is I didn't want to do the tour. <laughs> I was the one that didn't want to do it because when they, when they first asked us to do it, it was like, um, there's a show with Vanilla Ice and Rob Bass, Tone Loaf, Julio, and All For One. And I was like, a bunch of rappers and us? I don't understand. <laughs> oh how, does, how does that work? <laughs> I don't want to do that. No one wants to hear us in a bunch of a hip hop concert. And then uh, the other three guys were like, you got to understand, back in the 90s, it was all crossover stuff that was on the mm-hmm. pop station. So it's not like hardcore. We should just do it. And the was like, let's just do this one. And I was like, no, because if we do one that goes well, they're going to ask us to do another one. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, we did the first one. And then they're like, yeah, we got five more dates. And like, and then five more dates turned in. There's 10 more after that. And then four or five years later, I'm like, holy crap. I'm so glad y'all said yeah. We said yes, (laughs) because that was like a great, amazing tour. And even more people that we idolized, you know, joined the tour, like Salt and Pepper joined it and caught me back. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's great. Now, what yeah, would y'all yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, what what would y'all say is the difference between y'all then versus y'all now with when it comes to music? How has it evolved? How's that evolved? Years? Um, I, I would say, you know, they, they say that as you as you're getting older, you know, you're kind of a little more in your prime vocally. And honestly, I, I think that 
for me personally, I'm able to do things now vocally that I wasn't really able to do when I was younger. Wow. And I just think that we're so seasoned now because we've been doing it for so long that we've learned how to not only work an audience and make sure that the audience feels involved in our show and is having a good time, you know, but at the end of the day, it is entertainment. People are coming to escape their lives for however long your set is. And I think even more so now than ever, than when we were younger, we understand that. We understand that, listen, y'all, our job is to really just go out here and, and to hopefully not only help people bring back some great, great memories, you know, mm -hmm. through our music, but also just to hopefully make them feel better. Because now that we're all adults and we have responsibilities and children and all kinds of stuff, it's, 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 it's fun sometimes just to have a little bit of an escape. And music is such a great tool for that. And, and we really, you know, relish having that opportunity. And, 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 and we take that very seriously. And I think, like I said, just being older, these things become a lot more clear to you than when you were younger. When you're younger, it was just about, I want to have fun. And that's what it was, you know. What do you wish you knew at the prime of y'all in the nineties that you know now that may would have helped um, you a little bit? That you could uh, say no. Yeah. <laughs> and you know? business, the business side more. I mean, we know the business side so much better now because we've been in it for a minute. But it is the music business. It's not just the music, you know? And I wish we would have known, it, it, you know, as the saying says, if I only knew then what I know now, you know? Right. And that's why I like to ask that because, I, you know, anybody that's jumping into the music business, especially because we have a lot of young people that come we on. Do. In fact, tomorrow we have our youngest ever coming on the show, a nine-year-old actress. Yes. And, wow. and so I always want, to, you know, to be able to help them, because again, there's so much that involved in the music industry that can, from the scam artists and all that. Um, how do you help guide younger people to avoid some of the scams that are out there? So for, for the nine-year-old or anybody that's, you know, young and teenager, the first thing I would say is it starts with the parents. Mm -hmm. The parents yeah. have to really take a, a really active role in their kid's career and life. And just if the kid has a hit TV show where she's the star and the biggest thing ever, you gotta treat that kid like she's still a kid. She's got mm -hmm. still gotta get grounded. She's still gotta do the dishes, all that stuff. Cause mm -hmm. what a lot of parents will do is they start letting the kids, because the kid's the moneymaker, kind of run things. Wow. And those mm -hmm. are all the ones that you end up hearing about in you know the news and all that. And it's like, mm -hmm. you, gotta, you gotta be strong-willed. And I would add to that, that as far as the parents are concerned, my, my uh, thing to them is, you know, find a really good entertainment lawyer, not a real estate lawyer, <laughs> not a lawyer who works with actors, not a personal injury lawyer, find a really good entertainment or, or, or music entertainment lawyer, mm -hmm. someone who can help guide you. Um, because the thing is, a lot of times parents do get in the business and they have no clue how this business works. And I tell people all the time, the music business is, is one of the only businesses where on Monday you can be an inmate at a maximum security prison and on Friday you can be running your own record label with full funding. And wow. Th there's wow. no checks and balances. There's, there's no qualifications. There's nobody to say, hey, are you really who you say you are? So it's very important that a, the things the dealers are saying that, yeah, you continue to make sure your kids know that they are kids. They are not the decision makers. You're the decision maker because you have years on them. But also the best the best decision you can make is to find some trustworthy people whose reputation precedes them, but also that can help guide you on the business side of things so you don't make decisions that you regret. Since y'all started at a young age, how did y'all's parents balance it out for y'all to help y'all stay grounded? They grounded us before we got in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I said, yeah. milita military kids. Military wow, kids from African-American families. That was a belt. Mm -hmm. uh, don't look at me the mm -hmm. wrong way. Who you talking a to? Switch. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but also we were, you know, 
I was the youngest at the, when he started. I was eighteen, so we were not really. I mean, even though we were teenagers and and kids in that sense that we were young, you know, we were making our own decisions at that point. So our parents weren't really as involved, you know, in our business affairs at that time because you know, like Dillis had moved out here from Virginia. His parents were still back east. He was handling all his own stuff, and 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 all of us, we were all handling our own things. Wow. So did y'all pick I swear or did your team pick that? The head of the label of uh uh Warner made us sing that. Once they made yeah, he made us sing it really. <laughs> now <laughs> did y'all question it, it being such a big country hit? Yes, did y'all question that? Well we 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 had finished our debut I, album. I did. Jamie did, yeah. <laughs> we had finished our debut album and it was all done. It had the the artwork was done and shrink wrapped and ready to go when Doug Morris brought us into his office and was like, you know, I want you guys to listen to something. And we thought being newbies that, you know, he just wanted our opinion for young music and critiquing yeah. something. So he played us John Michael Montgomery's I Swear. And just trying to be cool was like, you know, it's got great lyrics and uh, what's yeah. called, da, da, da. he's like, we want you to sing it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Huh? And then Jamie was like, well, why? why? Why would we sing a country song? <laughs> and he's yeah, like, I'm no, like, no, we're no. R&B group. Yeah. yeah. And we're gonna put you back in the studio with David Foster. He's gonna do what he did to "I Will Always Love You" for Whitney mm. to this song. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah, so it worked for that song. <laughs> and that's, that's what he did. And the first five hundred thousand copies of uh, our debut album, "I Swear," is not listed on the back. It's only a red sticker that says "Also includes <laughs> I Swear" because it was so last minute. <laughs> you definitely owe them for that one, though. Oh, definitely. It's always the last <laughs> oh, song. Yeah. I always hear this in people's careers: the song they don't want to record, they hate. It's always the last song on the record that becomes their biggest hit. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because that was one of them songs where you're like, it, it was a big in another genre, and mm -hmm. it's really yeah. tough to make a song big in another Equally genre. Equally. Equally, because, you know, sometimes yeah. you don't know how the audience is going to respond, but apparently your label just knew that, you know what, this is it. Well, the other thing that was cool is when, when our version got released and when we entered the Billboard, um, top 100 charts. We ended at 72, and John Michael was at 70. Because, oh, wow. You know, oh, wow. At, at that time, he had crossed over to the pop charts. And at that time, you know, country music was big, but it, it wasn't crossing it wasn't, over to the pop charts. Yeah, it wasn't Carrie Underwood crossover yet. Exactly, yeah. with the same right. frequency it is today. So somebody asked, when you guys recorded, I swear, after listening to Master Track, what did you guys think of it? I thought it was just okay. <laughs> Honestly, we, we were in we were in Europe, and I guess they sent it out after our first single, "So Much in Love," to uh to be reviewed by a bunch of radio stations or to, to, for them to hear it, like a preview. And uh, they sent it out on cassette for them to preview it. And then we get a call over in Europe, and they're like, "You guys gotta come back to the states. This song is blowing up." It was like, "Has it been released yet?" It's like we sent it out for just cassettes, and people are putting it on the radio. Every radio station is playing it oh, immediately wow. from the cassette. I was like, "Really?" And I remember putting my headphones back on in the hotel room in London. I was like, "I don't hear it," <laughs> you know, because it was the most it was the most popish song on what was then an R and B record. I'm like, people are crying over this. I'm like, I don't hear it. You hear it? <laughs> You know, and that was my thought. My thought was, I mean, it sounded nice, but it was really pop. Like, and I was like, yeah. you know, it sounds nice, but I, I don't know how that will work, you know? That is awesome. Now, you know, speaking of the teams and all that, as you know, a lot of people, they see y'all as an artist, but they don't see the teams behind y'all. And we both know without teams, you can't do what you do. And they don't get the love they deserve. So take a few moments just to tell us about the team that helps you be who y'all are. Back then? You have another question? name a little bit back then and, and current, too. current too. I think he's saying more current. Oh, okay. The current team. Okay. Go ahead, yeah. Jamie. Well, we have our, our, we have our manager, Hannah, and Hannah does a great job at, um, you know, making sure that um, all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted and, uh, we have Joanne, our, our our publicist, and we have our booking agents now, and you know we just we have a, we've made a lot of really good good friends who help us in a lot of different ways, um, in lots of different areas of our career, and yeah, yeah. we we're very thankful for our, our our good friends and our our team. 
I love that. And, you know, speaking of teens, we have a third co-host, our, little, nine, our little nine-year-old boy. We always yes, ask a couple questions. Sandy's going to go get him real quick. I'll get him. And we've got a two-year-old that when she gets older, she'll be plugged into our show, too, because we are a family affair show. It's a family affair. That's <laughs> awesome. You know what? I even locked in the name um, Family Affair Media. Oh, cool. To, oh, to that's run awesome. I'm surprised that was available. I was too. I think a year before I locked it in, it was taken and they even undid the copyright and all that. I was like, oh, this is good. And then, um, and it was like Family Affair Media. And it's funny, I was looking at the abbreviation. Of course, this wasn't planned, but the abbreviation of Family Affair Media is FAM. I was like, oh, that is perfect. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. Thank you. So, what's your favorite food? Ooh. Food. Food. Yeah. Well, for me, I love everything. I, me and food have a great relationship. We love each other. <laughs> um, but I love soul food, and I love Brazilian food. Yeah, I think the same thing. Soul food, probably because that's what I kind of grew up on. Uh, is any kind of soul food, especially if my mama made it. That's the kind, you know, any oh, kind wow. of uh, 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 steaks and short ribs. And fried chicken, fried and chicken, yams and greens, mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. And what's yours? Mine is pizza. <laughs> nice. What kind I of pizza? Them. Cheese. Uh, uh pepperoni. Uh, and sausage. Oh, yeah. Plus, sometimes supreme. Right? Supreme, yeah. <laughs> he likes pepperoni, like sausage, like supreme. He's got like a couple nice. different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now let me ask you this. Let me ask you a question. Now, do you like pineapple on your pizza? I haven't tried that. <laughs> he hasn't tried it. Yeah, it's good. I, it's good. I love it. If you get ham or Canadian bacon and pineapple, it's amazing. Well, yeah. We'll have to do it, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good combo. All right, so what's it for a TV show? Well, nowadays, <laughs> um, I'll give you the TV channel because I watch all the shows on that channel. Somehow I've graduated to the HGTV channel network and I'm watching everything from flip or flop to fixer upper to you yeah. name it, any kind of home relationship. Good, good bones and property brothers, me too. I, I sit there mm -hmm. watching HGTV all oh, okay. day. <laughs> and and ESPN and, and sports center for me. I, I gotta I'll flip between the two. Because what's yours? Mine is SpongeBob. <laughs> oh, I love is that still a thing? Yep. Yes. And what's been cool yes. is because he watches a lot of Nickelodeon and also um, Disney shows. We've had a lot of people from Nickelodeon and Disney come on our show, so he's been able to communicate with them. Cool. Which has been really awesome. good. Well, I wish they had had that when I was young, I tell you. Well, we had some good stuff when we had the cartoon. Hey, okay. All right, go ahead. We had some great yeah. shows when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite movie? Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite movie. <laughs> I have food from the 80s, Goonies. The Goonies. If you haven't seen that, check it out. That is a good one. He needs to see that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yours. Mine is the Minions movie. Oh, man. oh, nice. Did you, did you see part two? The Minions part two? Oh, yeah, that's his favorite part. That's his favorite yeah. one. I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant Despicable Me Too, but yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. at the very end, the Minions are basically singing our song, and they tried to make them us. Yes, I swear one. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were, Sandy and him was listening to all the different of y'all's songs right before the interview. So he got that really good experience, y'all from the past. Nice. Awesome. Nice. All right. So bye. Thanks. Bye. Take care. All right. It was nice talking to you. So, how did the Xbox commercial happen? That was like one of the coolest parodies. Um, it, huh? was, it was cool. I mean, I, I, it was something that uh, our manager, Hannah, um, had basically got for us. Sorry, okay. yeah, sorry. Um, and um, they wanted to do a, a 90s kind of music video to talk about their new service. And, um, you know, when we saw the treatment and what they wanted to do, we were like, oh, we're in. This is awesome. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah. So, who do y'all root for for NFL, Joe asked? 
Well, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, but I got three teams. Philly's one. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are my second team because I'm from L.A. And, of course, the Rams because they're back in L.A. Yes. <laughs> and what's yours? I'm an ADHD fan, and that game lasts too damn long, so I don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got three myself. Um, I'm a Tennessee Titan fan because we're moving to Nashville. Oh, so, yes. You yes. Know, um, we live in Savannah, so we got to root for, of course, both Jacksonville Jaguars and Atlanta Falcons. I mean, yeah, we're kind of in between. <laughs> I was so upset a couple years ago when it was like 28 to nothing in the Super Bowl, and you're like, they got this. Like, they're going to win. They're going to win a Super Bowl. And then you watch Brady do his thing, and you're like, oh, uh, yeah. That was, that, that was heartbreaking. I felt so bad for it, for the Falcons. <clears throat> so I know y'all have done a lot of collabs and all that. Who would you be your ideal collab songwriting and all that with dead or alive? Uh, dead or uh, what was dead for me is definitely Michael Jackson or oh. Luther Vandross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for me, it would be Prince. Oh, wow. Oh, that yes. would be a really, I, I love them both. That, yeah. Both yes. would be really, I'd just love Either to be a fly on the wall of them creating. Yes. Wouldn't even have to be there just to be, a, be the fly. Right. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean the talent right yeah, there between the two. Genius. <clears throat> so what is kind of next for y'all? Well I'm now that back the, on the road. Um, yeah, now that the world is open back up, we're touring again and um, you know, just looking forward to getting out in front of people and hopefully just helping them uh, you know, enjoy their lives a little. Yes. What would you like your legacy to be as artist? What would you like to be most known and remembered for? Ooh, that's a good question. I know for me, it would just be, hopefully, I would like to be most known for hopefully making people happy and hopefully having music that not only made people feel something, but was part of the soundtrack of their lives. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think you kind of always want to leave something behind. I, when I was, you know, because I'm a military kid, so I moved every couple of years, I always tried to leave something behind at whatever school I was, whether it's a leg or a letter or well, a leg. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why I said leg. I meant, I meant to say letter and it said oh, leg. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Left You're going to be leaving body parts behind. Yeah, right. Um, a letter and a track meter, something like that, or a record or something, um, but something that's at that school on a plaque or something you will leave behind. And I think for, for this industry, you kind of want to leave something that said, I was here. And I think you've accomplished that with I swear. Absolutely. And if you could say anything to your fans, what would you want to tell them? Um, just thank you. You know, for the last 28 years, people have been so um, amazing to us and have been so supportive. Uh, we saw our friend, I saw our friend Tyler Newbold. I saw her uh, message come across and and we've, we've got a lot of amazing, I call them more friends than fans because we've gotten to know quite a few people and, and it's just been a, a, a huge blessing to really get a chance to meet people and, and, and have a relationship with them. You know, there's a lot of pressure on y'all and, and especially the young people now. And I think um, with what what recently happened with Simone in the, uh, in the um, Olympics, showing that there's so much pressure on young people. How do we as a, you know, you watch Facebook, you see some oh, people yes. calling her a hero, some people calling her a coward. And I hate, so that. I hate that. I hate that. I'm like, I think a mental health needs to be good. How do we as a society right. get to the point to where mental health can become upfront, do you think? Just like I, I you, said, just, you have to you have to acknowledge it as something that's real. People who've never had a mental health episode or mental health problem don't acknowledge it as being a real thing. And I, it's so it's not funny, but when yeah. when yeah. So I heard about Simone uh, doing that, I always wondered how she dealt with the pressure because it's like it was like every day leading up to this Olympics, she's like, "It's the greatest ever. You're the greatest ever. No one does what she does. She's the greatest ever. Wait till she gets there." When I was like. Pressure is like craziness. And uh, I saw an article the other day and it's like back in, I forgot what year it was when Carrie Strug um, did her thing. 
and oh, wow. she had a fracture on her ankle, whatever, mm -hmm. and they made her vault. She was like, I don't want to do this. My leg, yeah. I can't feel my leg. And they're like, push through the pain, push through the pain. You know, she retired after that. It kind of ended her career because I think she mm -hmm. further injured her. And that's the people thing that people don't get, you know, whether it's mental, physical, it can be career. And, you know, like I've seen several people talk about they use that as the framework of why Simone should have went on. Yeah. And, and you're like, right. but I didn't realize that's what ended her career. So see, her career ended because she moved on. Pushed and pushed yeah. and pushed. And and yeah. I would just add to that, I, I, and, and not to get all biblical on you, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a Christian yeah. and, and man of, of faith, too. but for, for, for me, it's really about judging others with the same measure of judgment that you want for yourself. Yeah. Yes. And, and so many times we expect so many other people to be perfect. We expect them to always do and make the right decisions, but we don't expect that of ourselves. And we'll get mad if people expect that of us and say, hey, I'm not perfect, leave me some room. And that's my thing. I think you have to do that for others. And just remember, at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all trying to get through this thing called life. No one has all the answers. And, and just try to cut people a little slack and judge them the same way you would want to be judged if it were right. you. Show them some grace. What's funny is I didn't have no intentions of bringing that up, but I was like, you know what? This was perfect spot for it. Because I think that with so much pressure on people, even though that was Olympics, but within the music world, the young artists and actresses, there's so much pressure on them in this day and time. Then you've got bullies on social media. Oh, to, I and to deal with that I, you know, well. we were bullied, both of us, when we were young. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what it's like right, it comes with social media now too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, social media bullies, social media bullies heard a guy say, just turn your computer off. <laughs> 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 they can't bully you. You can't read it. Turn the computer off. <laughs> yeah. We, we had yeah. some people on that say that, you know, yeah, they get a lot of trolls on their stuff. They just, yeah. they've learned not to read them. Oh, I don't. Oh, yeah. you definitely you ignore them. Ignore them. You know, there's a lot of ignorant people and, and people get real bold behind a keyboard. They say things that they wouldn't say normally to you when if they saw you in person. And, right. and so I leave these little Internet gangsters, last trolls alone and just ignore them. You know, it's just words. And, you know, the one thing that I think Simone did and I, I, I applaud all this, I think that she's that it's so important to know your own body and your, your own mental state. Right. But the one great thing that she did is everybody's talking about this right now, whether they're talking good or bad, they're talking that the subject is coming up. The conversations are happening because I think that there's so much pressure on teenagers right now between school, between parents, between sports, between, I just think it's too much. Mm hmm. I think also what she did, if I, I remember reading, I, I don't know much how judging of the uh, gymnastics and all that goes, but from what I read in articles, like her withdrawing from the team event allowed the team to medal because her scores would have brought the team, you know, out of medal contention or so. I, I read that too, because I was like, yeah. that they said she's too good. So and that's, I, uh, yeah. So selflessly, she, she sacrificed her own thing so that the team could continue to medal. That's yeah, because and and let's say that it was also a mental thing too. Well, how do you? Um, here it is. You've been told all your life you are going to be the best. You're going to be the best. You're going to be the best. You're this. You're that. Then last year of your life, you are the best. You are the best. And then all of a sudden, you get up there and you get penalized for oh. being the best. Oh yeah, I still have issues with that. I don't understand that at all. She does things that no other gymnast can do, and they don't give her the, the points for it because nobody else can do it. And they penalize yeah. her for doing it. I'm like, for well, being the best. It's just like, yeah, well, it's just like, you know, in basketball with Shaq when he played and even LeBron now, like these guys, because they're so big, every time they go to for a layup or something and they get fouled, the refs won't call it because they say, well, you're so big and you're so strong, you should just play through it. But then they'll <laughs> call it for everybody else. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's not fair, but at the end of the day, you know, with, with with greatness comes, you know, lots of other things. I was gonna say responsibilities, but you know, with with you know, once you get there, there's a lot of things that you're gonna have to deal with. And I think that's in every aspect of life, you know, as you work to be the best in whatever field it is you wanna be in, there's also gonna be things that come along with it, you know.
But he said that's his dude, Shaq. <laughs> Prime Shaq, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's 11 from the line in one game. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say that y'all knew somebody personally who was trying to make it in the music business and they've, they've played maybe 40 or 50 shows. They said, I'm still getting their feet when I'm performing side, but they got on stage and they've got what every artist says that stage bug. They look over the crowd, the crowd's roaring for them, and they know that they've been called to this. What advice would you give that specific person to kind of help guide them the next few years? Keep grinding. Yeah, yeah, just keep keep going for it. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, some people, you know, it happens for them right away. And and some people, for most people, I, I tell them that just remember it's a marathon and not a hundred yard dash. You just got to stay with it, mm-hmm. keep grinding, keep doing what you're doing, and it'll happen for you eventually. Love that. Anything to add to that? No, that's that's just it. You just gotta. You never know who's who's watching you or when your time may be. Um, a lot of people quit right when they're about to break because they don't know they're about to break. So you just gotta stay in and keep going. <laughs> that's what scares us with our show. You know, I'll be honest. She has to pull me off the wall, so off the cliff. So sometimes I'm like at the end <laughs> top, and I'm just, you know what? I'm done. It's over. Uh, and then she has to kind yeah, of, and, but, but again, at the same time, you're like, you know, you might be that, we might be that one interview, that one person, that one break, that one, that one label that might, or, you know, or publisher that says, you know what, I like y'all show. Let's put it on iHeartRadio or whatever, you know, yeah, and, we're, and we've come so far, you know, I remember a quote recently and I love this. It says, I've come so far to come only this far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you just never know when your breakthrough is going to happen. And that's why, you know, it's good to set small goals. And remember that a bunch of small goals will eventually equal a large win. You know, so every small win, it just keeps adding up. And and it's just important to just go from win to win. And if that win is something small that, hey, we increased our viewership by this much, or we helped this many people, or whatever that is, just know that a bunch of small wins will end up being a larger win. Yeah, Caleb said that, you know, he, he's been on the stage bug since age seven. He does a pot. You know, it's funny. We got a few of our podcast buddies watching yeah, right now. So that's pretty cool when that, that happens. So appreciate <laughs> the support from them. That's awesome. And we all in this together. We are. Amen. So what, any final parting words as we close out? Yes. Uh, just thank you to you guys. Thank you so much for having us and for a great conversation and awesome questions and we just wish you guys the best and um, and and everyone out there watching and listening. Thank you so much. Perfect timing. Housekeeping just got here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <we're coming>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm sure everybody knows how to reach out to y'all. But again, I always like to give it. Tell everybody how they can reach out to y'all. Yes. All right. Well, you can see us at a few places. So if you go to all-the-number-4-o-n-e-music, Com. That's our website. And all of our social media handles are there. But it's all of our social medias are just all for one music. A-L-L, the number four, O-N-E, music. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything. Awesome. And, you know, we yeah. really enjoyed having y'all on the show we today. Did. And we look forward to having all four of y'all back. We do. Absolutely. 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 Thanks so much. Hey, thank uh-huh. you guys so much. You guys have a great one. You all too. right, y'all too. Thanks. All right, be